For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association. On the show today, we are going to discuss Tucker Carlson and his departure from Fox News. Plus, a bold stance from an Alabama senator. And then, sin. Just sin. (laughs) That's what we're going to talk about. So let's get to it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer, my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And we are very grateful that you are joining us uh, for this episode this week, and uh, we do hope you're blessed by it. So don't let the name fool you. We ourselves are quite Christian, quite religious, at least we think so. But this world, and especially this country that we find ourselves in, is not. It is increasingly secular, increasingly religionless, you could say, and that in part is where the name comes from, or in a small part is where the name comes from. And uh, we're going to be doing today what we try to do each week on this ep- or on this podcast, and that's help Christians, you know, digest the news around us and keep our eyes fixed on Christ. That's kind of the goal. So we're going to be doing that again, of course, today uh, with the news, and then we'll also be diving into our Bible topic uh, down at the uh, at the back half of the show here. I think we got a good Bible topic today. So before we get into all of that, the news and the Bible topic, is there anything you'd like to say, prayer requests, praise reports, anything of that sort? Um, We're going to be traveling to John MacArthur's church, uh, staying out there for a couple nights. So just pray for our safety um, and that nobody gets sick. Our trip. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we're going to do that next, next week. Yeah. So, you know, for those of you that have been here for a while, you know that I go to the Master Seminary, which is at Grace Community Church. So chance to kind of go see the seminary again. We've only been out there once, but also we're big fans of John MacArthur. He's getting older and, you know, Nikki and the kids have never you know, listened to a lot of sermons, but, you know, we're close enough now since we've, uh, you know, moved to the Southwest that it makes sense to try to get out there and, uh, you know, just see the campus, see Pastor MacArthur. Um, hopefully he's with us for many, many years, but we want to take the the opportunity while we have it. So pray for our safe travels and just that it'd be a blessed time out there. All in all, it is Southern California at the end of the day. Who knows? Maybe well, we'll go California at all. We can go ransack a target, get whatever we need and come home scot-free. But um, also huge praise report. The biggest praise report. All right, that's a bit of a stretch. But Aaron Rodgers is <laughs> no longer a Green Bay Packer. And I am a Detroit Lions fan. Sadly, it's the curse I was born with, but I am. And since 1992, we've had to suffer with Hall of Fame quarterbacks beating us twice a year, every year. 
And uh, now finally, I mean, unless Jordan Love turns into another Hall of Famer, seems unlikely, but Aaron Rodgers is gone. He's a New York Jet. And at the time of the filming or of this recording, NFL draft first round is taking place. And uh, that's always exciting. That is the true Super Bowl for a Detroit Lions fan. When we draft our next future depressing, you know, could have been something ultimately turned into nothing players that we root for. So, but things are turning around in Detroit. So praise report, Aaron Rodgers is gone. All right, enough of that. Let's get our plugs out of the way here. You guys know we're big fans of Cardinal Contingency Solutions. We talk about them every week. And we recommend, like always, you give them a call, give them an email or send them an email and just see what they can do for you. You know, in so many areas of our life, we just sort of assume that we know what we're going to do or we assume that we have knowledge in some area. But the truth is we know or we don't know what we don't know. And for so many of us, this world of sort of, you know, overseas, uh, you know, kind of insurgency groups, violent crime, these sorts of things is largely unknown to most of us. And, you know, how to get yourself home safely. What do you do in case something catastrophic happens and you're in a faraway land? What options do you have besides just your mom's cell phone number, right? Well, we don't know that, but Cardinal does. They're the one, they're the experts at it. Um, amongst many other things they're experts at. So just reach out to them. If you're a church, missionary organization, or you just, I don't know, own a target in Southern California, you're the next place to be ransacked by a mob. What are you going to do in that situation? How are you going to keep your employees safe, your your missionaries safe? Uh, you don't have to go into it blind. Cardinal can give you the tools and the information you need to make sure everyone's safe, gets home safely, and that sort of stuff. So reach out to them. And then, of course, you guys know we are proud members of the Christian podcast community. And if you guys are interested, on Monday, this coming Monday, we'll be having another theology throwdown here with uh, Andrew Rappaport and a host of other podcast hosts, a host of hosts. So on Theology Throwdown, once a month, the it's open to all the podcasters in the Christian podcast community, about 60 of us. And it's always a different topic. And it's just, what do you think on a topic? Last month, we talked about the Asbury revival. What were our thoughts on that revival? This Monday, we're going to be talking about um, education, child or educating your children, I think is the topic. You know, homeschooling, public schooling, private schooling, Christian schooling, all those sorts of topics. What do we think um, is right, best, wrong, all those different topics. So should be interesting. And uh, come, you can find it on christianpodcastcommunity.org. You can look for it on YouTube. You can look for it if you subscribe to the Christian Podcast Community feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it happens to be. It's all there. Come give it a listen. I'm sure you will enjoy it. You may even agree with some of it, or you may disagree. We'd love to hear from you either way. So, all right, we're not going to cue the music this week. I think the news generally is good enough. We don't need horror music to ease ourselves into it. Now, of course, the news is generally always horrific, 
but compared to what we've talked about in weeks past, this week is not so bad. So no music this week. We're just going to ease into the news here. Now, the big story of the week, of course, is one that Nikki failed to mention. Shame on her. President Joe Biden announcing that he'll seek re-election in 2024. And need the music. Probably should have cued the music for that, but I'm just kidding. Freedom. Don't leave us yet. Don't turn off the show yet. Nobody cares about President Biden running for re-election, and we're not going to waste your time talking about it. Because, of course, the big story of the week everybody's been talking about, so why not us as well, is Tucker Carlson's departure from Fox News. That was really the only big story, captured all the headlines. And it was a big story for us as well, because as far as I'm concerned, I mean, Nikki doesn't really pay too much attention to the news, though she knows who Tucker Carlson is. Uh, We've played, I think, some of his clips on here before. But in our opinion, Tucker Carlson is really, or he was really, the only like truth-seeking, honest broker left in the news media. It doesn't mean he was right on everything that he got everything right. That's not what it means. Uh, But his worldview seemed right and his instincts seemed right. And he seemed to be led by those rather than just getting, you know, the, the corporate overlord, you know, notes shoved in your face to push a certain topic. He seemed to be a free thinker by and large. So, you know, his departure puts maybe the final nail in the coffin of any sort of mainstream media credibility. And um, it's, you know, we'll see how, how it plays out. I don't know if it's sad to see or if it's a positive to see, Uh, you know, time's going to tell and that's what we're going to discuss here. So, you know, we don't obviously have all the details as of yet why he left or really even the terms of his departure or anything like that. Um, But I think this is probably like most things. It's a bit of good news and it's a bit of bad news as well. And, uh, you know, we're just going to assume that that's the case until, again, we're proven otherwise. You know, somebody presents something that proves it's one or the other. And again, when it comes to that, right, it's the same problem we always deal with, with this story or any story. Um, Any story that you're going to hear from the media, you know, those in the mainstream media, by and large, are probably almost exclusively, they're liars, <laughs> and the truth is not in them. That's just obvious. I don't know why people, there's people out there who still think truth is being spoken in the media. Some still do, I guess, but I actually, you know, you've seen these clips before, I'm sure. But I saw one just recently on like a clip of Joe Rogan's show. I think he was interviewing Howie Mandel, if you remember Howie Mandel. Um, but he was kind of explaining to Howie Mandel just how corrupt the media is and how they're not really free thinkers. They're just given stories, narratives, and they promote them. And he was just showing clip after clip after clip where it was literally word for word repeated on all these different stations, all these different anchors, the exact same talking points. And, you know, again, so do these people believe it? Who knows? But they're given a script to, uh, you know, repeat on the air and they do it. And it's just crazy. You think like, like AI could be doing this instead. We could have robots that look human. Just read a script. You don't want people to think you don't want them to be human. Just 
Well, that's, that's what it's going to turn to, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they're essentially that. I mean, yeah. most of these anchors on mainstream media, they're just chat bots. They put in a script yeah. and they just regurgitate it out. You know, racism, sexism, Donald Trump bad. Like, it's just the same narrative, you know. And by and large, they aren't news media anymore. They're just narrative, right? They're not presenting the news to you. They're presenting narratives to you. Yep. Um, so that's the problem with any of these stories and trying to get to the truth on something like what happened with Tucker especially for someone as divisive as Tucker Carlson is, you know, who are you going to believe? You know, so that's the problem here. They're liars. The truth is not in them for the most part, you know, so you can't take what they say as truth really in any regards. And that even comes with those at Fox news. You can't believe what they say. Um, and I saw a headline in regards to this Tucker Carlson thing that I thought, boy, is this perfect, <laughs> you know, just to highlight the sort of narrative driven media that we call news today. And uh, do you want to read this headline, honey? AOC suggests government should drop hammer on uh, Fox News for very clearly inciting violence. But there's a glaring problem. Yeah. Do you want to just read this? Uh, these two paragraphs right here? When you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence. Very clearly incitement of violence. That is the line that I think we have to be willing to contend with, she said. And I thought, so perfectly timed was this sort of interview with AOC. Because just this week, uh, CBS and 60 Minutes interviewed uh the left's favorite January 6th rioter, <laughs> Ray Epps. You know, the media and the politicians like you see here with AOC, right? They're claiming that Tucker, he's inciting violence. But in this very same week, they gave Ray Epps an hour in prime time to tell you why he is actually a victim of Tucker Carlson and other people's incitement of his violence. So we got just a small clip to play from the 60 Minutes piece. Charge. So I better put it out there. I'm probably going to go to jail for Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? No! Peacefully. Fed, 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 fed. Single goal. We are going to the Capitol where our problems are. It's that direction. So uh, if you could see the video or hear the voices on the podcast, that was not Tucker Carlson calling the mob on January 6th to go to the Capitol. That's where we're going. Even as they chanted, Fed, 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 Fed. Um, you know, but everyone involved in the January 6th protest, you know, they've all been put into jail. You know, they're all called terrorists, all this sort of stuff, right? Yet we have plenty of video showing Ray Epps, just like what we showed you and what you heard, doing the exact thing they accuse other, others of doing, and they accuse them of that and use it as justification to keep them in jail. Yet for some reason, they have no problem with Ray Epps. No problem with the violence he incited. You know, but Tucker Carlson, that guy on Fox News, he's the man we need to stop. Like, it's all propaganda. And Again, like we've talked about in recent episodes, the lie is the point because they don't expect you to believe this lie that somehow 
the 60 year old grandpa or grandma that went to the Capitol on January 6th is some insurgent looking to overthrow the US government. But they just need you to accept the lie. That's the point. You don't need to believe it, just accept it, right? So you can see Ray Epps on the video chanting, go to the Capitol, we're going to the Capitol. And that somehow he's the ultimate victim now of Tucker Carlson. You know, and we saw this in the recent past. You know, they didn't need you to believe that COVID is this dangerous uh, disease that's going to kill young, healthy people or that the jab will actually protect you. They don't need you to believe that. They just need you to comply with it because the power is in your complicity. And oftentimes it's more powerful when you don't believe it yet comply anyways. You know, so when you know it's a lie that Ray Epps, he ain't a victim. He's like a six foot four former Marine calling people to storm the Capitol. I think it makes them feel more powerful when they know you know it's a lie. Like they want you to know it's a lie. And then they just feel better that you're listening anyway. Oh, I'm sure it's a power. It's probably a power play. It's probably a psychological experiment. Yeah. Hey, let's show them clear evidence of a man inciting violence. And let's tell them he wasn't. You think that'll work? And they're like, no way that works. And then they play it and they're like, holy smokes, it worked again. You know, so. They do this on purpose, just showing clips. Even, um, uh, name, I can't breathe, (laughs) guy. Oh, George Floyd. Floyd. (laughs) Just all the evidence that he was saying that before the cop even handcuffed him and had him on the ground. Like we have obvious evidence, you know, facts right in your face, but people want to believe the narrative. That's the power of the narrative, right? We're headline readers, we're, you know, CNN ticker tape readers, and that's about it. You know, we're not going to dig deep. And we're typically, and we're all guilty of this to some degree, we're as guilty as anybody. You know, the thing you hear first is kind of the thing you believe, Yeah. you know, so... Whoever can rush out there with an edited clip of a video and show you what happened and tell you the narrative. And you're like, that's what I believe, you know? And again, it's hard work to try to figure out the truth because where are you going to go to find it? You're going to go to mainstream news sources to find it. Good luck. You're being told lies one way or the other, right? So it's very challenging, but again, I, it's certainly done on purpose. Yeah, to I, not I probably power play, psychological experiment, but obviously from the satanic side of it, to divide and conquer us, to drive a wedge between us, to stir up hate and anger amongst different you know sides, whatever it happens to be. So I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why they do it. None of them are good reasons. But uh, you know, since we can't trust what the media tells us or the reports that they put out, you know, at least for Nikki and I on this Tucker Carlson thing, we're just going to speculate. <laughs> Again, until we're proven wrong. So on the negative side of this, the bad side of it, you know, Fox News just hired the or just fired potentially the biggest name in cable news. And that's troubling for a bunch of reasons. You know, one of which is if you're a company that's willing to fire your biggest breadwinner. um, And again, we're just speculating, but because it causes you maybe too much trouble with these like anti-Christ, anti-American sort of media and political overlords, then we're in like, and maybe we've been here for a while, but we're in a whole new era where like talent, money, 
ratings, none of that matters anymore. It's simply compliance to a worldview. That's a dangerous spot to be in because then like boycotts aren't going to matter. And we've kind of seen this where like Disney, you know, Disney lost a bunch of money when they were proven to be groomers um, of your kids, but it didn't really dissuade them. They're marching because again, it's basically a religion. They're satanic, you know, worship of Moloch. But they're not dissuaded by, you know, some of these simple boycotts. Maybe not all of them 100%, but we're seeing that now. So if Fox News is like, it's just not worth it, you know, to put up with. Because, you know, when Tucker Carlson released January 6th tapes that he got from the Speaker of the House, I mean, Fox News came under a ton of heat to get Tucker to stop showing the truth about what happened on January 6th that contradicted the government's narrative. They didn't like that, right? So that's an unsettling spot to be in a nation where like money, ratings, talent, it doesn't matter. Worldview compliance is what's important. And I was just hearing Glenn Beck talk this week, you know, about Fox News because he's worked there and just how much the, uh, the Murdochs hate God, essentially how they would even get upset if you mentioned God on the air. You know, they went to Glenn Beck and basically lectured him like, you've said God 91 times and I've told you to stop saying, he's like, you're counting how often I say God? And they're like, yes, stop saying God. You know, like they don't, so you might think as a Christian, like, well, Fox News, that's for the Christian, the conservative. Nope, they hate your worldview just as much as MSNBC does. Um, At least the, you know, executive level um, so that's unsettling, but, uh, you know, and Tucker getting let go by Fox, like he was really the only one by and large in the mainstream media that was kind of hammering this sort of satanic march that we're on, uh, from the media and the political class by and large, he was kind of the only one hammering it in any substantial way. You know, a lot of these other guys, and most of the other guys, I would say, they sort of just exist to take this kind of antagonist position, you know, like all of CNN's lineup, you know, and even on Fox News, the Sean Hannity's of the world, they aren't serious people in like mainstream news. They're just political antagonists. They're just there to get a script and go, what did Biden do? I'm supposed to be against it. I'm against it. And then they go, what does Trump do? And CNN goes, we're supposed to be against it. We're against it. You know, and they're just political antagonists. They're not serious people. But Tucker was different. Um, And I think that's why his firing is impactful. And we just wanted to play for you this (laughs) short clip from his second to last episode of uh, his show on Fox News. It's a fairly short clip. So let's give it a listen. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Sometimes you wonder just how filthy and dishonest our news media are. You'll be in the shower and you'll think they're bad, but how bad are they? Well, here's one measure of their badness. You can try this at home. Ask yourself, is any news organization you know of so corrupt that it's willing to hurt you on behalf of its biggest advertisers? Anyone who do that is obviously Pablo Escobar level corrupt and should not be trusted. What would that look like? that level of corruption. Well, imagine that the Trump administration had made it mandatory for American citizens to buy MyPillow. That's one of Fox News' biggest advertisers. 
Imagine the administration declared that if you didn't rush out and buy at least one my pillow and then at least another booster pillow, you would not be allowed to eat out. You couldn't re-enter your own country. You couldn't have a paying job. My pillow, they told you with a straight face, was the very linchpin of our country's public health system. Now imagine as they told you that, that Fox, as a news organization, endorsed it, amplified the government's message. Imagine if Fox News attacked anyone who refused to buy my pillow as an ally of Russia, as an enemy of science. And then imagine that Fox kept up those libelous attacks even as evidence mounted that my pillow caused heart attacks, fertility problems, and death. <laughs> like, that is spot on. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you can be more spot on than what Tucker was just saying there. And if he was fired for discussions like that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. No, because he's, he's talked about these issues before. It's not the first time he's brought. Well, right. And that's why when you consider this kind of being bad from the point of view that Fox, it's just easier to get rid of him, you know, because this is what Tucker speaks about, which is why he's so different from most of the, the mainstream media, all of them, because he would hammer, you know, the lies that we were told over COVID, the lies that we're told over, you know, Ukraine and January 6th and all these different things where from pretty much every other news channel you turn on, every other anchor you listen to, it's the same talking point. And it's all basically propaganda. And like he's mentioning here, because Pfizer and Moderna and these pharmaceuticals, they're paying the advertising for the, the news organization you're on. So you're not going to go out there and dump all over them and trash them because they're your biggest advertiser. So if Tucker is going out there and poking Fox's biggest advertiser in the chest. Yeah. You can see why Fox would be like, look, man, we want to have your point of view, but like, it's just way too much of a headache. And that's a dangerous place to be, you know, or, you know, for a nation where the news media and really the journalism as a whole is supposed to be the people who hold politicians and these elites accountable. And now you're just finding out that like, Boy, it's really tough to hold the elites accountable because I just like their money. So all of you that are really doing the work and holding them accountable, we're going to fire you because it's uncomfortable. And these meetings we have with Pfizer execs and their marketing personnel, it's difficult. So see you later, Tucker Carlson. You know, Fox News far more concerned with appeasing, as we would label them, Satan and his cohorts. Uh, you know, again... Far more concerned with that than even ratings and earnings, which is, again, that's a whole new era, right? But that's kind of the negative side. On the good side of this split, um, and again, we don't know entirely, but maybe this was driven more by Tucker Carlson, you know, because he would not be the first person with a religious worldview to walk away from the mainstream uh, news media to pursue something more in line with their faith. I'm sure he knew. Like, I think it, just my opinion, I think it was, I think he knew it was coming or or he knew this is the last time. Um, I would. It, it just doesn't seem like it would surprise him. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think so. I mean, he seems like a sharp guy. Um, so you think he might have some indication of this, but, you know, 
this isn't even new, this strategy or this sort of game plan. It's not even new from Fox News. You know, right. they did this to Glenn Beck, kind of much the same thing when he sort of began to realize that he was kind of fighting just as much with his employer, you know, Fox News, as he was with the satanic left. We talked about how, you know, Rupert Murdoch and the ownership of Fox News is like, quit talking about God on our platform. He's like, what? Like, that's what I'm here to do, you know? Well, maybe and, he's going to say something he hasn't said yet, and they're afraid he's going to say something. I because certainly hope so. they know he's too so. sharp, that he isn't afraid to speak the truth. Maybe that's why. I hope so. <laughs> um, but again, you know, this isn't the first religious person to do something. If this is what Tucker did, again, we don't know, just speculating. But, you know, again, we talked about Glenn Beck. He sort of did this. He decided to walk away from a very lucrative contract at Fox because he didn't want the shackles that Fox was putting on him. We've mentioned Jason Whitlock on this show a bunch. We love Jason Whitlock. We love his show Fearless. He did basically the same thing, leaving his sort of decorated sports journalism career behind looking for opportunities to discuss things that he believed were more important, namely his faith. And that's what he does by and large on Fearless now. You know, so if this is what happened, Tucker decided he needed a little bit more uh, freedom than even Fox News, which is, I guess, which is bizarre to think about considering what he would say on that show, like the clip we just played. I mean, that's pretty bold. I don't know how much more bold you can get to say it unless, but again, I hope he does get more bold. I hope he does speak more truth, but uh, maybe he wanted to walk away. And again, if he did, it would make sense to me. I wouldn't be surprised if he had that desire to walk away, even from very, very lucrative contracts. That's something most normal people don't understand. You know, he had a $30 million contract offer. If he would have just stayed on Fox, what kind of idiot would walk away? Well, first off, he's made a bunch of money, so it's not like he's poor. And secondly, there are people, and I would hope to be one of them, I hope you're one of them, where money is not the the driving factor in your decision processes, you know, serving God, uh, loving your neighbor, like those are the important things. And if the money is going to cause you to not be able to do that to the best of your ability, then forego the money. Now, if you can do both of those things and make a bunch of money, cool. <laughs> it's all the better, right? Um, but I think with people, uh, especially, you know, religious people, and then even more specifically, those with a Christian worldview, I think the more that you look into the darkness that is our current sort of climate in this nation, you know, we talked earlier in the beginning, right? This religionless, secular, we would call it antichrist, increasingly satanic culture that we're in. I think you'll naturally, you know, see that what we're dealing with isn't political. And therefore, the solutions are no longer political. And you don't really see this on the left quite as much. There are some, you know, the Bill Mars of the world, Russell Brands of the world. But on the left, for a lot of these people that are godless, politics is your religion. So you don't really walk away from this for anything because you're serving your religion. Right. Um, but, you know, this isn't, this isn't a bygone era, you know, where you were just discussing political solutions to political problems where those days have long since left us behind, you know? So for people like uh, Tucker Carlson, who appears to be a Christian, 
again, we don't know him personally, but from the, what he says and the way he talks, um, he sort of appears to be that kind of person. He realizes that politics, you know, this isn't what it once was. It's not what we're talking about anymore. You know, you're not on his show talking about tax policy or minimum wage hikes necessarily. You know, we're talking about drag queen strip shows for children. We're talking about body mutilation on minors. You know, we're talking about aborting full-term babies. Like we're in an era of, I think, very clearly defined darkness versus light. Um, and again, on the good side, maybe what Tucker Carlson's begun to notice um, and has kind of begun to realize what needs to be done and what needs to be talked about can't really be said anymore on cable news. Uh, so I'm hoping that's what he's thinking. And I got this clip here that we'll play. And um, I think he's sort of alluding to stuff like that. This clip he released on Twitter. So we'll give it a listen. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Yeah, I yeah, mean... Yeah, definitely come to that, that conclusion there. I certainly think so. You know, and again, as he said in there, like, he knows better than most, you know, what that sort of environment is like. So I certainly hope, you know that his eyes have been much more fully open. They seemed very open before, but I hope they're much more open. And I just thought if you watch this Twitter video, again, we'll have all the links to the articles, the videos that we have in here down in the show notes. You can go give them a listen. But it's interesting when you, you know, read stories like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talking about this man is violent, you know, he's inciting violence, he's a danger. And then you listen to Tucker Carlson talk and you're like, this dude's a dork. You know, he's a goofball. I mean, super intelligent. I'm just, you know, his personality, not trying to make fun of the man, but you're like, this is the violent monster we're all supposed to be afraid of. He's a dorky, you know, like, he's just, he's not what they, you know, but again, you don't have to believe it. You just got to accept it. You can listen to Tucker and go, Seems reasonable, but I was told I'm supposed to hate him because he's the next Adolf Hitler for some reason. So good enough. I'll hate the man. People just say things and they disbelieve it. It's like they, like Jesus said, like you, you know, you follow your the father of lies. You are of the devil. They're just going to follow his voice. That's all it is. You either believe the lies, you love the lies or you love the truth. Like it's, it's a clear division. Like you said, it's light and darkness right now. It's so obvious that lies are lies, but they're choosing, choosing to believe it because they love it. Yeah. Cause it's not like they're telling you like, Hey, you know what, what 
Tucker Carlson has to say about advertising from big pharma. You know, it's just, it's not what he says it is, you know, it's uh, whatever your stance would happen to be. It's not, you're arguing the, the merits of it. It's Tucker said this about Pfizer. He wants children dead. He wants people to die from COVID. And you're like, holy cow, like maybe a bit over the top, right? So uh, I hope I hope Tucker's eyes are fully open or they're being um, opened a little bit further. But that's the good side. And I do think there's probably some bad mixed in there as well, right? That, you know, cable news, even Fox News, you know, these gigantic news organizations, they're the negative, right? They're maybe just far more given over to this kind of anti-American globalist worldview than maybe we even realized they were. And, you know, I certainly think there's some truth in that. And, you know, so Tucker, hopefully getting away from that, realizing what's needed is far more than political solutions. So there's also, and we don't want to not cover this, there's also um, some discussion in the news as far as him being let go because of Fox's lawsuit settlement with uh, over the Dominion voting systems. You know, Fox was just ordered to pay $787 million over that lawsuit. So some of the speculation is, well, they let him go because, you know, whatever, he was too much of a hassle or he was going to cost them, which again, kind of goes into our negative side of this. If Tucker Carlson's going to cost them more news because, or more money because he's just too much trouble to deal with and, you know, the advertisers are going to boycott. But again, I think that's just an idiotic point of view because he's really far and away the most viewed TV show in cable news. He's easily the number one talent in cable news. So to let him go when you're hurting for money seems like a really poor decision uh, if that's really kind of what you're leaning into. Um, And then there's also speculation that... um, He's being let go over, or at least in some parts, because of a lawsuit that was filed against him for sex discrimination. Do you want to read this uh, paragraph here? In a lawsuit filed in the Southern District of New York, Grossberg accused Carlson and Fox of sexism and harassment, alleging that his show's workplace was replete with examples of misogyny. Uh, Her lawsuit claims, among other things, that mocked up photographic images depicted then U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in a bathing suit revealing her cleavage, and that staffers were polled on two separate occasions on which of two female candidates for Michigan governor they would rather have sex with. Yeah. So, you know, of course, we don't really know the details of this lawsuit. Um, But it does sound, again, eerily reminiscent of something else that happened to another one of Fox's former number one men. Uh, If you remember a few years ago, Bill O'Reilly was forced out over sexual harassment allegations. And as the old saying goes, right, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, and I don't know all the details of the O'Reilly um, sexual, uh, you know, assault type stuff. I know he's denied it. And, but again, even if you read what this 
lawsuit sounds like from this article, you know, it's like, oh, there was misogyny in the workplace and crude jokes. And I think yeah. I've even seen the t-shirt. They have t-shirts mocked up of, I think, Nancy Pelosi in a bathing suit with cleavage. Um, and like, if that's what it takes to like ruin somebody's career, some poorly timed jokes, uh, you know, a little bit of crude humor and that sort of thing, some gag gift photos, and then you're sued and your career is ruined. That might even be just as unsettling as Fox being given over to satanic overlords in the corporate, you know, media structure. Well, when they let someone go, they have to like make it look like it's their problem, like, you know, something's wrong with them. They did the wrong. Um, so I guess this is a, a common thing. Someone's let go. No, you got to sure. muddy their name. Yeah, I mean, it, certainly, especially in the entertainment industry. But yeah. boy, like that sounds like such a slippery slope. Like if you are a company that, em whatever, employs a lot of men, like definitely be leery to hire women into that environment. <laughs> like, boy, we might say one cross joke and now we're getting sued over sexual harassment. Maybe it's just better to, you know, take the arrows of being a misogynistic employer than take the lawsuits from, you know, a girl who didn't like a poster that some guy hung on his wall. And again, as Christians, if any of this is true, we should certainly be carrying ourselves in a much higher, um, more righteous manner, certainly. So if, yeah. if Tucker Carlson's guilty of crude jokes in front of female coworkers, he should ask for their forgiveness, repent for that. Christians should not be carrying themselves that way. And, um, but it is, you know, a strong warning sign for those of us who are Christians in the workplace, you know, choose your words carefully, um, choose your friends and associates and your settings very carefully, uh, because you never know when this could happen to you. One errant joke, one or two errant jokes, you know, whatever happens to be, Someone doesn't like you. They got a vendetta against you in our climate today. You know, all it really takes is saying, hey, this happened to me. And and that How goes for remember? women as well, too. I mean, a guy, I guess, could just as easily do this against a woman if he wanted to. But, you know, as a Christian, you know, maybe that's why we're told to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Like, you know, pick your words very carefully. Yeah, it doesn't matter, like, how righteous of a life you live and you slip up once. like that's who you're known as is your sin. That's yeah. how you're going to be remembered. And I think that's what they try to do. They don't want people to remember, be remembered in a good light. Oh, I'm sure about it. I mean, but they, I mean, that's true for all of us, really. Well, it's just how humans are. They want to point out the flaws, the sins in others. And that's, it is weird how that's how you remember people. Right. And we're not a society that forgives anymore, you know, by and large. I mean, certainly the Christians still are and stuff, but as a society as a whole, we aren't people that forgive anymore. You make one mistake and, you know, they'll, they'll beat you over the head with that for the rest of your life. I mean, it doesn't make a difference. Um, you know, you have, even if the allegations and stuff prove to not be true, right? They're not going to care. They're going to keep bringing those things up over and over again. Um, yep. You know, they're never going to go, well, you know, that was 20 years ago, but bygones be 
No. I mean, again, because they're godless, what reason would they have to have forgiveness in their heart? So, and uh, we would be remiss if we didn't also mention, along with the, uh, I guess, surprising fire of Tucker Carlson, also Don Lemon was let go, fired by CNN, which we're not going to spend any time on because he makes no difference whatsoever. Um, wish the man well. I hope that he repents and gives his heart to the Lord. But uh, he did go on Twitter, I think it was, to say how surprised he was that he was fired. Um, he might have been the only one surprised, although I guess he was at CNN for 17 years. Uh, but, you know, with Don Lemon, you can find a thousand people that can fill his role just fine. You know, oh, yeah. go on TV and, you know, be a race hustler you know, call everything oppression and victimhood. You know, there's a thousand people that'll do that for the 30 pieces of silver. Nothing special about that. I mean, CNN, MSNBC, they're replete with those folks right now. Um, he wasn't impactful in any way, but Tucker Carlson, on the other hand, his firing really big news. Because uh, again, he might be the last sort of truly fearless truth teller, truth speaker, at least so far as he understood it, that was kind of left on cable news. So his firing was big. Don Lemon's happened. And we'll just move along. So we do want to end our discussion on Tucker, though, playing a few clips from his speech at the Heritage Foundation. He gave, I think, the day before he was uh, released by Fox. And I think it was a good speech. I encourage you guys, again, it'll be in the show notes, so go give it a listen. But we'll just play a couple of these clips and comment on them as we go. Um, and I want to thank you, Father Scalia, wherever you are. That, I, that invocation, for some reason, that, uh, that really got me. Um, yeah, it did. And it, actually, I'll just tell you, since it's just us and no one's watching, um, that it, it reminded me that I don't pray enough for the country, and I should. And I'm, I'm upset. Uh, but the answer is is to include the country in your prayer. So thank you for reminding us of that. So, you know, just a simple reminder there, but it's a great reminder for us as well to pray for our nation. Again, something I know I'm guilty of at times, but, you know, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, uh, we're told, First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So we're commanded as Christians to pray for our leaders, even the ones we don't like. We're still commanded to pray for them. So I think that's a good reminder there from Tucker. Maybe you're far more disciplined in your prayer for our national leaders than I am. <laughs> um, all right, let's play this next clip here because the story of the last decade is the collapse of leadership, not of the population. The people remain noble and decent, so far as I can tell. I still live here, I'm never leaving. We have good people, we have terrible people in charge. And not just of our government, but of the institutions that I grew up in, the Episcopal Church, my high school. You know, I could just go on and on and on. They're all run by weak people. And, you know, it's the same in marriage. You know, weak husband causes angry wife. Weak leaders cause an angry country. That's true. Yeah. That was a good analogy. Very, very good point there. And, you know, I think 
part of the problem is our society, the technological advances that we've made in society. You know, it's allowed sort of weak people to rise to positions of leadership and authority that maybe in times past they would have never been able to operate in. You know, I think I even heard it on Fearless mentioning that, you know, he kind of talked about, I'm not trying to ruffle anybody's feathers here, but, you know, he kind of talked about how, you know, men created everything, created and built everything to the point where it is now where things are so technologically advanced and easy in this computer age. Well, now women can step in and take these jobs that men built and created, you know, so the point they were kind of discussing was football, you know, men built football because it was hard. It was dangerous. And, you know, men built that, but now that football is this multi-billion dollar industry, you can just create these jobs for leadership and stuff like that, where you've got these diversity, equity, and inclusion czars for a football team that makes six figure salaries. And well, just hire a woman to fill these roles. And you're like, you know, now that it's perfect and easy to step into and And this is a lot of what, you know, people make arguments about with the whole, you know, gender equality in the workforce, you know, all the gender equality stuff has to do with like executive positions, high paying positions. Nobody's calling for gender equity in coal mining or, you know, whatever cattle rearing, right? No one wants gender equity in there, but it's the corner office jobs with a laptop and an assistant. Right. Everyone wants those jobs that we're fighting for. And um, the society that we're in allows these sort of beta male men, these weak men or women to kind of take over these positions that maybe in times gone by, they wouldn't have been able to take over. Um, And again, feel how you want about that. But we see what the results are in this nation, a nation that's lost its way. It's gone wayward. Um, We've lost trust in every institution under the sun. Um, they're all turning their backs on God, given over to the spirit of the age. So we see the results of that. Not good. Uh, you know, maybe not just having a hundred percent, you know, barbarian men in charge. That might not be the right solution either, but the one we're being presented with certainly isn't the right solution. So maybe smarter people than us understand why that's the case, but it was an interesting point. So don't shoot us. We're just the messengers. But uh, let's hear this next clip from Tucker. I would say two things that are, I think, we're thinking about. The first is, as you look around and you see so many people break under the strain, under the downward pressure of whatever this is that we're going through, and you look with disdain and sadness as you see people you know become quislings, you see them revealed as cowards, you see them going along with a new, new thing, which is clearly a poisonous thing, a silly thing you know, saying things you know they don't believe because they want to keep their jobs. If there's a single person in this room who hasn't seen that through George Floyd and COVID and the Ukraine war, raise your hand. Oh, nobody, right, you all know what I'm talking about. And you're so disappointed in people. You know, you are, and you realize that the herd instinct is maybe the strongest instinct. I mean, it may be stronger than the hunger and sex instincts, actually. The instinct, which again is inherent to be like everybody else and not to be cast out of the group, not to be shunned, that's a very strong impulse in all of us from birth. And it takes over, unfortunately, in moments like this, and it's harnessed, in fact, by bad people in moments like this. I think that is a wonderful point. I 
could not agree more with that. You know, seeing these people that, again, in times gone by, you might have looked up to leaders and stuff like that, you know, that you no longer look up to anymore. And uh, I mean, you see in every area of life, and he mentioned George Floyd and COVID and Ukraine war, and it's like people that just you might have had hope for, and you kind of look for them to, man, be the one to take a stand, be the one to defend the defenseless, right? But just one after another, they caved. And it was disheartening, you know? I know in my, um, the industry that I work in, it was the same way, right? Expecting these strong leaders that you've heard about from, you know, I'm in the military, the Pattons, the Eisenhowers, where are these men, you know, to stand couldn't find them, you know, and I'm sure in your industry, we talked about the church before that we left because they kept closing their doors during COVID. And you're like, where's the pastor that's going to stand up for God, make his stand in Christ and not bend his knee. Couldn't be found, you know, and sure you've had those in your communities as well. And just so disappointing. And, um, yeah, these last few years were (laughs) this disappointment. Yeah. Being let down by those you thought would not disappoint you. And, you know, you're right to be disappointed. But I think, again, as Christians, you know, we do have to guard our hearts against that, you know, to allow that disappointment to sort of go beyond, um, I guess, its normal course where you start disdaining people, you know, looking down on others, maybe even harboring some hatred or anger in your heart towards them. I think we have to guard ourselves against that, pray against that. Uh, I know I've had to do that in my life because, you know, I guess we're all liable, you know, outside of the grace of God from just being cowards and quizzlings. And, you know, we've been going through Luke chapter 21 in our devotionals. And I mean, you start reading about the end times and the things that are going to come for those who are left here at that time. And you're like, boy, if you don't have a backbone, it's going to be hard for you to stand. You know, if you can't stand against, you know, not accepting the George Floyd narrative, if that's enough to make you cave, like, what are you going to do when your family turns on you and throws you in prison because of your faith? You're going to stand then, you know, and they're going to put a sword to your neck over that. Seems unlikely, but. I do think that's a good point because I think that's something we've all dealt with over the last three years or so, you know, hoping to find strong leaders and just to be let down and disappointed time and time again. I think a lot of these people who are standing against all the lies, you know, we can look back in history and we we know people's names who stood up for what was right. Um, their names are remembered, they're written in our history books, but it's like today, those who stand up, are their names going to be written in history books as a a hero, a, a name to be remembered in a positive light, or is it going to be written in a, in a negative light, like you're the enemy because you stood up for what's right, and that's kind of like what it seems like today, so it's harder to stand up because the majority hates the truth. It's hard to stand up when you're standing up for the remnant. Yeah. I mean, that's why you better only be looking for adoration 
and acceptance from God yeah. and not from men. Yeah. Because if you're looking for adoration from men, you're most likely going to choose the wrong uh, options, you know. But if you're looking to do what's right in God's sight and what they say about you or, you know, let it all be darned, then, you know, you'll at least be remembered where it counts. And I think we need to hold on to that. that we're going to be alone. It's a lonely. <laughs> yeah. Standing for the truth is today. always a lonely, yeah. lonely position. But, uh, you know, again, when you have an eternal perspective, it's worthwhile mm-hmm. to make that stand. So we have a couple more clips from uh, Carlson here. But there is in one case someone who I made fun of on television and certainly in my private life in vulgar ways, who was really the embodiment of everything I found repulsive, who in the middle of COVID decided, no, I'm not going along with this. And once you say one true thing and stick with it, all kinds of other true things occur to you. The truth is contagious. Lying is, but the truth is as well. And the second you decide to tell the truth about something, you are filled with this. I don't want to get supernatural on you. But you are filled with this power from somewhere else. Try it. Tell the truth about something. You feel it every day. The more you tell the truth, the stronger you become. That's completely real. It's measurable in the way that you feel. And of course, the opposite is also true. The more you lie, the weaker and more terrified you become. We all know that feeling. You lie about something and all of a sudden you're a prisoner of that lie. You are diminished by it. You are weak. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone can really disagree with that. Yeah, when you lie, you put yourself more into a smaller space. You're getting cornered. But with the truth, you don't care. You're not hiding. Nothing to hide. Yeah, I mean, and the truth is scary. You know, generally when you're trying to make a difficult, truthful claim, it's it's always scary. I mean, we talked about the George Floyd, the COVID stuff, you know. Those are tough situations for you to take a stand on truth or what you believe in. Far more easier in the moment to give into the lie, but boy, there's nothing like the feeling of standing for the truth. And like he said, it it's powerful, you know. And giving into those lies, it is, man. It like turns you into Gollum, you know. You live a life of lies, and um, so that would be an encouragement to you. And maybe you've been a person who in the past, and especially these last three years, had the chance to stand for something, the truth or whatever, but you didn't, you know, you gave in, I mean, have hope, you know, today's a new day and you have the chance to stand for the truth today. You don't have to continue on in the lies. Um, you can turn a new leaf today. You can stand for the truth today and feel that, that blessing and the power like he talked about and, you know, start walking in the truth and, I think it's harder um, because of the twisting of, you know, good and evil. What's good is being taught that it's evil and what's evil is being spoken of as good. So that causes a lot of confusion and um, like a false conviction for people. And they don't have discernment or they don't know God's word. So they're easily convinced that what is good and right and true um, that what is evil is good. And that's why I think too, where, I mean, it's powerful for you, but it's so important for those of those around you because by and large, most won't stand for the truth. Yeah. But when they see somebody that will, 
man, it lights a fire, Mm -hmm. not in everyone, but in enough. And it doesn't take a large majority to, you know, turn the tide on things. But, you know, you may just consider that whatever environment you're in, I have to be the one to stand for the truth. Even though it's going to be uncomfortable, I might lose my job. I might be reprimanded. I might be whatever it happens to be. But not only are you going to feel good, you're going to feel powerful, like you talked about, because you're walking in the truth. But man, you're going to light a fire in those around you. And you might be surprised by how many other are willing to follow you. Because like we talked about when he's talking about being so disappointed in all these people you're expecting to be the leader that helped and led the way and they just failed one after another. Well, you could be that leader. You know, you don't have to be president of the United States or $30 million a year news talk show anchor. You could just be the dude on the assembly line that, you know, whatever the next LGBTQ DIE mandatory meeting. And you just say, nope, I'm a Christian and I'm not going to go and be subjected to the secular humanist religious worldview. I'm not doing it. You might be surprised by how many go, yeah, I'm not doing that either. You know, it, it builds uh, mm-hmm. courage in other people when they yeah. see someone else stand for truth. So mm-hmm. very well said there. Um, let's see. I got I think two more clips. Here's the second thing I'd like to say before I get to the conversation with Dr. Roberts, which is that it, it might be time to start to reassess the terms we use to <laughs> to describe what we're watching. So when I started at Heritage, the presumption was, and this is a very Anglo-American assumption, that the debates we're having are kind of rational debates about the way to get to mutually agreed upon outcomes, right? So like we all want the country to be more prosperous and free and people to be less oppressed or whatever. And so we're gonna argue about tax rates and I think higher tax gets, gets us there. I'm a Keynesian and you disagree, you're an Austrian or whatever. But the objective is the same. And so we write our papers and they write their papers and may the best papers win. I I, I don't think that's what we're watching now at all. I don't think we're watching a debate over how to get to the best outcome. I think that's completely wrong. And I've come to this conclusion, and I should say at the outset, I'm an Episcopalian, so don't take any theological advice from me because I don't have any. I grew up in the shallowest faith tradition that's ever been invented. It's not even a Christian religion at this point. Um, I say with shame, but... I'm just saying this as an observer of what's going on. There is no way to assess, say, the transgenderist movement with that mindset. Policy papers don't account for it at all. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? There's nothing to do with politics. What's the outcome we're desiring here? An androgynous population? Is that really what we are? We arguing for that? I don't, I don't think anyone could like, defend that as a positive outcome. But the weight of the government and uh, you know, a lot of corporate interests are behind that. Well, what is that? Well, it's irrational. If you say, well, you know, I think abortion is always bad. Well, I think sometimes it's necessary. That's a debate I'm familiar with. But if you're telling me that abortion is a positive good, what are you saying? Well, you're arguing for child sacrifice. And that's kind of the point I'm making. None of this makes sense in conventional political terms. When people or crowds of people, or the largest crowd of people at all, which is the federal government, the largest human organization in human history, 
decide that the goal is to destroy things, destruction for its own sake, hey, let's tear it down. What you're watching is not a political movement, it's evil. So that's what gives us hope. You know, those last two clips there, I think, you know, like we said, Tucker, like I think so many others are really waking up to the reality of the world that we find ourselves in. You know, like you said there, like reason, rationality, politics, this isn't being argued anymore or even really discussed anymore. The things that are being discussed are life and death. You know, like you talked about, we're, you know, it's child sacrifice. We're mutilating our population. We're going to have a completely androgynous population. What is that? And you hear him say, it's child sacrifice. And of course it is, right? These are life and death issues. And it's life and death just not on a personal issue, but on a national level. You know, we discussed on this show just recently how, I mean, we're killing our society. You know, we're well below the rate of replacement in regards to birth rates. People don't want to have kids. Even if they get pregnant, they abort them. Now you got homosexuality on the, a big rise, transgenderism on a rise. Like those are all, that's all death. You know, homosexuality is death. It doesn't produce life. Abortion is death. Transgenderism is death. And, you know, it steals people's reproductive opportunities, you know, so we're no longer, and we probably really haven't been for quite some time. We're no longer having these discussions in politics. We're in a place of discussing life and death. And I think Tucker is realizing that. Uh, maybe he's realizing it real time because he just got fired. You know, maybe before this, he was just, you know, and we are all guilty of this. We just get, we're in the flow of whatever our life is. It's busyness and you don't really have time to step back and like, what is going on? And, you know, we started this podcast because we were afforded the time to step back and look at the world around us. And, you know, that was through the COVID years where, you're not working anymore, but you see what's going on. It's like, holy cow, like this is a different world that we're in right now. And, you know, so maybe Tucker, you know, you're producing a show of his quality night in and night out. You don't really have time to step back and take it all in. So now that he is taking a step back, maybe he's seeing like, you know, what have I been doing? What am I arguing for right now? You know, we're not in a place of Keynesian versus Austrian economics. We're in a place of life and death. And that changes the discussion dramatically. So with that being the case, our plea to you is um, start realizing that what we're seeing and what we're arguing now is spiritual. As we've talked many a times on here, the discussions need to be spiritual because again, they're truly matters of life and death. And this doesn't really matter. I don't really care what political background you come from because I don't really care about politics at all. And I know many who hear us, especially this episode, you know, we've seen the Apple reviews and uh, I guess that's a good time to remind you, leave us a nice review on Apple. We could certainly use it. But right, they're going to say, ah, they're Republicans. Listen, they're just shills for the Republican Party. No. And we've said that many times. We maintain it still today. The Republican Party sucks. We aren't Republicans. Now, the Democrat Party is satanic, but the Republican Party sucks as well. You know, we're Christians. That's our only worldview. That's our only, that's the party we identify with, the Christian worldview party. And we would encourage you to carry the same mindset, you know, stand for Christ, stand for life, 
reject lies, reject liars, uh, wherever they come from, even if they wear your favorite team's label, reject the lies when you see them. Because if it doesn't line up with scripture, don't accept it. Don't tolerate it in your own life. That's the stance we need to take now. There's no more just, I play for team D, you play for team R, and whatever they say, we're just going to go along with it. That is the wrong mindset. You need to be on the Christian team. You need to be standing for scripture. And whoever's departing from that, you need to be rejecting it, speaking out against it, and then speaking the truth of whatever given situation that you're in. That's the way I think we need to be carrying ourselves in this newfound world that we're in where all the discussions we're having are life and death, spiritual matters. I think it's important. Said it well. The political, spiritual, and I pray that people start waking up and seeing it as that. Because we're all just, we argue in politics. You can get sucked back into it, of course. We know oh, it's yeah. spiritual, but we got to be careful not to. As everything really is a spiritual battle, like it's always been that way. It's just becoming more obvious and it's frustrating because it's, you get frustrated with others because it's so obvious they don't see it still. Yeah. And again, that's why we need to pray against that, pray against ourselves that we don't wind up hardening our hearts or right. anything against other people Yeah, uh, because maybe they don't see it or they don't get it. Because again, it doesn't mean that you never talk politics again or whatever, yeah. but understand the underlying reasons and the underlying discussions of what we're talking about. And, you know, I mean, really... If you're looking for gospel opportunities, probably any discussion on politics nowadays is probably a very easy segue into, let me tell you about this savior, um, because you're going to, you know, the world we're in, you need to hear about it. The Bible says those who um, endure till the end will be saved, and it's talking about those whose love does not grow cold, as it says, last days, the love of many will grow cold, but... He who endures to the end will be saved. So yeah, we have to be careful to not divide with brothers and sisters of the faith over issues that are being made political when they're not. We have to stick to Scripture. Now, we did have one more uh, news story here I want to get to before we get into our sin topic, because it hits close to home, and I was super happy to see it. So do you want to read this headline really quick? GOP Senator Tuberville uh, blocked 184 military promotions in his ongoing abortion fight with the Pentagon. Oh, my goodness. It's Tommy Tuberville, the former college football coach, so far as I understand. Yeah, Senator Tuberville. Um, Do you want to read this couple paragraphs right here? Um, He says, I warned Secretary Austin that if he did this and changed this, I would put a hold on his highest level nominees. Secretary Austin went through with the policy anyway in February of this year. So I am keeping my word, Tuberville said on the Senate floor. There you go. But man, I absolutely love this. Uh, I would suspend my own promotions to end abortion in this nation and the support of it in this nation. And I think When I saw this, I thought, you know, Senator Tuberville, he just deserves recognition for this because I'm sure this is a very difficult position to take, you know, but 
in these times, what else do you do? Right. And you know what the attacks are going to be against him. It's the same ones you'd always hear, you know, oh, he's harming national security. He's putting America in jeopardy, all this sort of stuff. But, you know, the military stance post Roe versus Wade is that, you know, if you're serving in the military and you're serving in a state that abortion is not allowed, the military will grant you leave and I believe pay your travel expenses for you to go out of state and seek an abortion. So in effect, your tax dollars are going to pay for military member abortions. And Senator Tuberville is going, yeah, I'm not signing off on that, dude. Uh, I told you I wouldn't. You went ahead with it anyways. So to keep my word, I'm not going to approve your promotions. And I applaud him for that. Again, even if my own promotion was on the board, I would applaud him for that. But, uh, you know, the military, they have their own problems. They, they're like everyone else. They don't, you know, they don't want to give up what's theirs, you know, so their promotion is so important. You just need to pass it. You know, I remember this being the case in, I don't know, 2016, 2017, whatever that time frame was when they were trying to build the wall on the Southern border and president Trump, I think diverted several billion dollars from the defense budget to put on the wall. And I remember hearing the complaints from the, those in the military, like, oh, well, you know, now our hangar that was going to get built has to be put on hold. And, you know, this is a real detriment. And you're like, our country's being flooded with fentanyl. That's killing children. And you're like, but my hangar is not done. Like, you know, we're, it's just the same as everybody, right? And this is why our country's in the problem it's in. Yeah, we all want a bunch of changes. Well, can we change your thing? No, of course you can't change my thing. Change everybody else's thing. And they all go, wait, don't change my thing, right? So then nothing gets changed. And now here we are, $32 trillion in debt, you know, taxpayer-funded abortions, and this is how you get there, right? Because nobody wants to let go of their little whatever favorite project is or, you know. So I applaud Senator Tuberville. I encourage you, uh, reach out to him on Twitter, send him an email, give him some encouragement. I did that myself, said thank you to him. So do you have any final thoughts here on Tucker, President Biden's re-election campaign, or uh, Senator Tuberville? I just want the Bible topic. I am tired of the news. Yes, the Bible topic. It's not going to make you feel good, but it's very important. So The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. For our Bible topic today, uh, we're going to forego our discussion on the book that we've been reading through, Knowing Sin by Mark Jones. And instead, we're going to just focus on specific sins. And they're sins that are described in this magazine that we recently received, Table Talk Magazine. And it's a monthly uh, publication from Ligonier Ministries. And in this month's magazine, it's all about this discussion on commonly tolerated sins. You know, so we thought it would be fun 
depressing, saddening, I guess, Um, to go through it and see just what we personally struggle with. And maybe you can see where you struggle as well. And I told Nikki to be very brief going through these. And in Nikki fashion, she went through and underlined every word written on every sin topic, basically. So we'll see how brief she's able to keep this. Spencer Uh, doesn't need to read it because he he understands it all. Yes, I'm guilty of all of them. I'm already aware of it. Well, Uh, but and I just want to mention this before we get into these (laughs) sin topics, um, because I do think this is a timely discussion because I just had another, you know, sort of back and forth with a Christian, so they say, who was claiming again, and I hear this all the time, the only commandment for Christians to follow is to love. That's all you have to do. Love everything else doesn't make a difference. And, you know, I was originally going to discuss Christian trauma this week, but I just really didn't have enough time to formulate my thoughts. So I think that's going to be our episode next week. While we're traveling, we're probably just going to discuss Christian trauma. Uh, But this idea of just love, that's all that's necessary is very bizarre to me you know, love the sin, love the sinner, love the wicked person, love their wickedness, whatever, just love. Let God be the judge. Let God do that. Yeah. And it's always, who are you to condemn? Who are you? And you're like, you know, it's just, it's not what I read in scripture. You know, and I asked the guy like, just love. So Mark 12, 31, that's it. That's all we need. The law, the prophets, the apostles, the epistles, throw it all away. And just take Mark 12, 31. Um, And I kind of responded to the guy that, to me, that's the equivalent of like the equality bumper sticker Christianity. You know, the equality with all the different religious symbols. um, Yeah, they coexist. Or coexist. I'm sorry, not equality, but the coexist bumper sticker. And, uh, you know, what is it? It doesn't mean anything, right? So... You know, I don't know how you get past, you know, if we're saved, we're sanctified. Part of that sanctification process is dying to the old man, as Paul would put it, and kind of letting go of those sins that entrap us. So to suggest that, like, all Christians have to do is love, you know, just dismiss the entire sanctification process, downplay the seriousness of sin. You know, I think it's just a message of, and I told the guy, cheap grace, you know, Christ paid this heavy price for you. So you can just do what you want, live how you want. It ultimately makes no difference. Um, not so I thought this was kind of a timely discussion for us to have. And, um, so these are the 20, there's 20 of them commonly tolerated sins. We'll try to go through them quickly. Uh, but just bear with us here. I think they're a good discussion topic. So do you want to read those, honey? You want me to just rattle them off or me to We'll just go one at a time and then we can discuss it if we're, if we suffer from this sin. Okay. So the sin of ingratitude. What's he say about ingratitude? Well, I highlighted, um, he knows that when we are ungrateful toward God, we fail to treat him as God and instead put ourselves in his rightful place. Yeah, I certainly suffer from ingratitude. At yes. times, um, pray for me, me there. You know, I the one that comes to my mind was our home in Florida. That's what I was thinking of. That we prayed for and we were grateful for when we got the home, but it wasn't very long after being in the home where it was no longer good enough for us. You know, we were ingracious 
towards God with this home that he blessed us with and uh, repented often for that, but the ingratitude, you know, kept coming back. So certainly something I suffer with and um, pray for us there. Yeah, we don't call other Christians out on it. That would be unloving, right? To say, hey, grateful. Yeah, don't ever tell somebody they need to be grateful. You just buy them cookies, tell them they're perfectly justified in their ingratitude towards God. Yeah, that's a hard one. Don't do that. The second one is impatience. Yep, certainly suffer with that one. Very impatient person. So he says, impatience itself is frequently tolerated and sometimes even regarded as a positive trait. People who get things done because they're impatient, getting things done because. Well, and I think too, you know, a lot of times what comes along with impatience is a bit of like anger or dissatisfaction with other people. You know, I'm impatient, you know, this guy's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's an idiot, whatever happens to be, I'm going to do it myself. And so I think maybe the impatience part may not be where you sin, but it might be in the feelings and the thoughts that come along with your impatience. Especially with kids, like with them learning, um, let them they're going to make a mess. They're going to do things imperfectly and not fast enough. And yeah, so that you, (laughs) you need patience and being impatient with them and doing things for them is, is a sin. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. The third one is envy. I feel like we talked about that one. Yeah. And our seven deadly sins. Um, Definitely one of the deadly sins. I mean, I think of course, we suffer with envy as well. Um, you know, but in this materialistic society that we're in, I think this is a very rampant sin that we suffer with, which is why I think so much of this Marxism communism stuff takes hold in a society where they can make you envious of, Oh, look at what all that money Elon Musk's has. He must be taking it from you. And you're like, yeah, screw that guy. Why can I have some of that money? And you know, whatever, now your envious covetousness goes right, you know, hand in glove with this. So, um, Definitely have to ward against that, but probably guilty of that one myself a bit. Greed for unjust gain. I didn't highlight anything on that one. Thought you could chime in. Um, Is that a common one? Yeah, I mean, I would say that one's maybe a bit lesser for me. I don't know. I guess the unjust gain part, you know, greediness. Probably a little bit, right? Like, I mean, we probably hold our our money and our possessions a little too close to our chest. We don't want to get rid of it quite as much as maybe we should be free givers and joyful givers and stuff like that. But the unjust gain part, I mean, maybe I don't consider myself someone who's longing for unjust gain, but maybe it just depends on how he describes the unjust gain part. But Maybe it's just like, well, I know, stealing, but what about like just stealing time at work? Well, let's not get into that. that category? Because then I'm certainly guilty of that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that could be one, right? You're not giving your best effort That's why it says they're work. so commonly tolerated that we don't even recognize them as sin. Like when I was reading Leviticus today, um, just talking about, I should have had the scripture here with me, but if you, you know, claim something is yours. Just for example, it didn't say that in the scripture, but like, for instance, like we found a $50 bill on the ground once um, outside the rec center after the kid's soccer game or practice or something. So our daughter found it and 
one sense, we're like, oh, cool, a blessing from God. <laughs> and on the other hand, we're like, yeah, that's a lot of money. Someone might want that back. It would be right to return it because we would hope they do the same to us, like do unto others as you do unto you. Yeah. And we kind of were like, I was thinking, because our daughter had her wallet stolen, I don't know, a few months prior. Um, no, she dropped it at Walmart. We went back, couldn't find it. Someone took it. And it was probably like maybe $50 worth of stuff, including the wallet. Maybe it totaled $50. Um, and so we were kind of looking at it like, hey, it's a blessing from God. Just keep it. But yeah, we were kind of convicted. We're like, let's let's call the rec center and see if somebody's um, looking for their, for, their, for their money. They reported it. Yeah, and we're like, we'll be. wait a couple weeks and see. Uh, yeah, because we're thinking just keeping something that you see that somebody misplaced. Nobody, you know, nobody's going to just forget that. They they need that. So anything yeah. you find or. Um, I could certainly see that being a, a case for it. So. Yeah. But we can move on here. Okay, let me make sure I'm not skipping one. Uh, gluttony. Your favorite one? Do you want to, that's this is how I sermon that he gives. <laughs> this is how I got into that discussion on the whole just love with this guy because he had mentioned something about you know whatever I can't remember homosexuality, and then some guy posted something about all the verses on gluttony. It was like you know, are you going to talk about this or whatever? And I was like, chimed in like we talk about it quite frequently that they're both sins, and that's kind of how it led us into that, but. I mean, yeah, we're Americans in 2023. Yeah. Gluttony, probably a sin we all need uh, constant repentant, repenting of. Um, even your humble host has been known to give in to gluttony from time to time. So pray for me you there do? as well. I do. When it comes to carb night and those pancakes, probably go a bit overboard. I'll be honest. Wow. Well, he just says in here that it's a coping mechanism. Um it's just a way, especially in our country, we cope with heartbreak, tragedy, disappointment, failure, setback. Um, um, it's just instead of going to God, uh, when we're down, we go to food. So we really set up food uh, above God, and he's he's our comforter, and it it, it is so true. It's, yeah, it is amazing how much of our society is built around food. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got friends. Let's go out to eat, you know? Oh, I'm feeling bad. Let's go out to eat, like— I got dumped. Like, give me something to eat to comfort myself. Like, everything is about food. Or alcohol that is the the comforter. Yeah, that's food. a good one. We're all guilty of gluttony. Yes. Don't you dare come at me and tell me you don't suffer from gluttony. Okay, the other one, I don't know what number wrong. I'm just going to, ignorance. Uh, yeah. Um, it's just about um, the knowledge of God. So training our minds to think rightly about the things of God is our lifelong calling and produces life. Yeah, there was a lot in here. I highlighted a lot. I don't need to go over it all. But um, the whole idea of like ignorance is bliss, but ignorance of God um, is not bliss. Knowledge of God is bliss. So it's just our um, our ignorance of God because our a lot of people don't want to get into theology. They just want to focus on love your neighbor. Yeah. And that's the depth of their theology. And they don't go any further. They don't strive to know God more. So it's a sin to not well, I would say want definitely to understand theology. A sin of ignorance yeah. towards God is probably something those, some are probably not quite as guilty in this area. But I think we could 
attach that ignorance to other things where maybe you have a, you know, self-imposed ignorance on the problems of others around you, right? Like maybe, you know, somebody's kind of struggling. You can see they're struggling. I'm just going to not ask. I don't want to get involved, whatever it happens to be. So you're, you know, self-imposed ignorance in a situation where maybe, you know, you saw it, you should interject, have a chance to speak life to them or whatever happens to be. So I know I'm guilty of ignorance at times, especially when it comes to theological issues. Again, we're working on that. Um, but certainly in the area of seeing that people are maybe struggling and just sort of choosing to go the other way, maybe that's a better classified as a different sin, but I could see it as ignorance. I'm choosing ignorance. I don't want to know more than I I'm already pretending know. Pretending you don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's worse. Our kids are guilty of ignorance every time I ask them a question. Nobody knows, huh? Yet the TV's on. Who turned it on? Nobody knows. Okay, this other one, I don't think I highlight anything. I read that one first, actually. Marital apathy. Um, he says in here how, like, a lot of... Let me find the paragraph because I'm going to mess it up. A lot of divorces um, are actually not from... The things you'd think it would be, like adultery or abuse. He says it's marital apathy. Yeah, I think that's one of the number one reasons. I think finances is like the number one reason people get divorced. But I think after that, it's like, we just grew apart. Yeah. We're no longer in love. Like, just, yeah, marital apathy. And we've talked about this. If you want to go back and listen to our, I think, episodes, like, 100, right at our episode 100, we did a three-part sort of episodes on marriage, where we talk about marriage from the wife perspective, the husband perspective, and then the couple's perspective. And this was one of the points, I think it was my first point I brought up in the couple's perspective was kind of speaking against this marital apathy, which again, we're guilty of at times as well, but always striving to be the person your spouse married or better, you know, so if they married a hard charging, funny, fitness, you know, kind of person. And then 20 years later, you're a fat, lazy, complacent miser. Yeah, you're not the person they married. So it would make sense they'd be unhappy. You know, so you should constantly be striving to be the person that you, that your spouse married and better. I don't know if we touched on uh, back then about how we are, he says in here, um, forgetting to tend to their own respective souls and to one another. Just caring about each other's growing in the faith. Yeah, I mean, I don't... That's that's a sin for us to give up that and to um, only be concerned with immediate needs. You know, the the kids and paying the bills and... And that's far more the husband's problem. You're the spiritual head of the household... It's your job to make sure that you're caring for not just your own soul, but the soul of your your spouse, your children, you're nurturing them as best you can. So men, if you are, if this area has fallen short in your house, it's your fault. Own up to it and fix it. That's your responsibility. Right. So even if I'm failing in, you know, domestic duties, you don't withhold spiritual um, care from me as a, a punishment or out of anger, resentment. And I shouldn't do that to him. Like we can't neglect caring for each other spiritually because worldly upsets. All right. What's the next one? 
Move <laughs> along. Stay on this one. Stay on. Okay, neglecting evangelism. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I like this part. He says about God, he he grants his people the great privilege and honor of laboring for that um, which lasts for all eternity. This is a gift. Yeah, and I think maybe that's the reason. I think, you know, maybe we all know the Great Commission. We should go and make disciples of all nations. Um, but I don't know if maybe in your mind you think sort of evangelism is a gift that some people have, and I don't really have it. And But I know that's probably one of the sins I've been Yeah, he wasn't even saying of. it as a spiritual gift. He was just saying, we get to. God gave that Great Commission to everybody. Well, and I would say it is a sin if God tells you to go and make disciples of all nations and yeah. you routinely refuse to share the gospel with people, then you're not obeying what Christ commanded us to do. Um, and that was, I think, one of the responses I sent to the guy was like, so Christ told us to teach or told his apostles to teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And I, did he misspeak and meant to say, teach them the one thing I've commanded you, love, right? No, we're evangelism, sharing the gospel is something we're called to do. And I know I've neglected it at times. Me too. Okay. The next one is laziness. Um, this one was good. He kind of went a different way. It's not about just not doing things. It's about doing things well. And he kind of just had a little story in there. Um, like whatever you're doing, like I know we always hear do unto the Lord. So he has this someone like polishing shoes and the person says, well, I wonder if these boots uh, would look well on the feet of Jesus Christ. Just having that in set uh, like in your mind, like um, mopping these floors in this person's house. Would this be, you know, suitable? I thought Jesus was coming over here. If this was his house, this doing it unto the Lord and we um, look down on others and we think they don't deserve our best effort, our best work. But we don't think of Christ that way. Like we would do everything for Christ and we're supposed to think of others as better than ourselves. And this is another thing, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Yeah. And he says, you know, as, as you do to the least of these, you've done, you know, to me yeah. basically. So I think when you look at laziness in that respect, that Maybe it's not that you're not doing something, but you're not doing it with your full effort. That's certainly an area that we're guilty of. I'm guilty of. And then you even just get into the simple laziness where you just reject doing things, <laughs> you know, that you probably should do. Yeah, guilty of that too. But at the same time, you don't want to become like a perfectionist and it's just like an OCD thing. No, but I mean, there's a lot of things where, you know, whatever, maybe your spouse, maybe this is the marital apathy tying in too. Hey, can you take care of this while I'm gone? Yeah, I'll take care of it. You know, and then they come back home and you never got off the couch. You're like, yeah, I didn't do it. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, maybe you're being a bit lazy there, right? So that does tie in well. Okay, the next one is harshness. Yeah, I thought that was a really good one to point out because I didn't I, I don't really see harshness as sin. I just think, uh, we could tone it down a little, but just calling it sin. And then well, it made me think of at least where I'm guilty of it was with the children, you know, with our kids specifically. Cause I think I can't think of the exact verse or how it's, uh, don't exasperate your children. Or... Well, it's like, don't, yeah, don't 
do something to them that like leads them into like anger or sin or whatever, you know, and I thought about that, you know, sometimes I can be harsh with the way I talk to my kids, especially the boys, especially as they get older. And I gone away at times and thought like, it's going to be hard for them to not think poorly about me because of what I said to them or the way I maybe, you know, was, you know, flippant with my words or what, you know, if they're thinking they're not being honorable and respectful of me, now they're sinning. Well, I led them to that place because of my stupidity and I couldn't bite my tongue or whatever. That's what made me think of at times I'm harsh with the kids and probably need to repent to them for that because I'm leading them to a place of sinning in their thoughts against me. Oh, that's a good way to put it. I was just going to read some of the things I highlighted in here. I thought they were important. Um, Just with harshness, um, those words usually focus attention on what is irritating or disappointing in someone else, and that creates discouragement and bitterness um, in the person receiving your harshness. Um, It has, so harshness has the other person's sorry, opposite, gentleness, has the other person's edification at heart and adjusts accordingly. Um, They did have like an analogy in here, um, like a hammer versus a mallet. Um, I don't need to go into that if you think like (laughs) a hammer doesn't care about the damage it's going to cause. It's just, you know, hammering that nail in no matter what. And a mallet is just more gentle. not so rough, but it still gets the job done. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, a neat analogy. Um, um, so harshness treats people roughly with no concern for the effect it will have on them. So the hammer. Um, ha- harshness is often a tolerated sin because it's often not quite explosive. Um, people who are harsh often think of themselves as bold or frank or even courageous. Yeah, this is one you hear a lot like, I just tell it like it is. Yeah. Like, nope, you were harsh and you were disrespectful to people. That's not just telling it like it is, right? Just blunt. And people are like, yeah. Like, we do need to be blunt. Like, about sin is sin, but gentle in the way. Yeah. I mean, we're supposed to let our words be, you know, seasoned Seasoned with salt, you know, and not just come out and say whatever pops into your brain. It's generally not the thing you should be saying right away. I want to read the rest of that. It says, um, but this harshness. it is not strength. It is moral weakness. A harsh person does not have the developed strength to recognize and be moved by the impact his words and actions have on someone else. Yeah. I thought that was good. I know I'm guilty of being harsh sometimes and that whole thing about like those key words that are meant to like cut the person. Like you can tell you're like really irritated. You got to bring up the thing that really irritated you. And I am yeah. guilty of harshness. Definitely. Me as well. And the other one's divisiveness. Uh, we live in a world of, I would say, divisiveness. And did I say divisiveness, divisive. Did I say it I wrong? don't know who said it right or wrong. Oh, or... division can be a good thing, it says. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, we live in a world, we've talked about politics on this, where everything in our world today is about divisiveness and mm-hmm. pitting one person against another. I don't think I'm personally quite so guilty of that, though I'm sure at times I've probably done this as well. Um, but maybe you are. Let us know in the comments and we'll pray for you. Um, he made a good point in here. Um, a person is being divisive as he relates to others by making distinctions on issues that God does not. A divisive person insists on his own categories of division. 
Um, divisive people serve their own appetites despite their claims for a holy cause. Um, they prefer clean lines of demarcation where the Bible does not draw them. Divisive person demands uniformity where God does not, which destabilizes unity in Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's something I, I see. I could see myself um, going that way. I think we just, I just think that's how we are and we do. We try to find people who are more in line with every little view we have. And there's some of the Christians who I'm like, oh, they're really making it known that they disagree with something that I agree with. So we can't fellowship. And it's not even something that God brings up. Right. Um, you know, it just it breaks apart the body of Christ. Um, and the next one is gossip. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of gossiping, you know. No, I'm not gossiping. I'm just telling them so we can pray for them. Yeah, they bring that up you know, here. That sort of thing. Yeah, I think. And then just outright gossiping is rampant in our society today. So if you're just negatively shaping people's opinions of someone else, I think that summed it up really well. Yep. Um, dishonoring authorities. Yeah, um, definitely. And again, in the society we live in where it's hard to agree and speak well of a lot of our authorities, I think it's very easy to fall in the trap of dishonoring them and not just disagreeing with them, but maybe now you're speaking harshly about them or, you know, these sorts of things, gossiping about the authorities in your life. I think that's very easy and something I've certainly fallen victim to. I think it kind of goes in line with kind of what you were saying about harshness. Um, like you could cause uh, your child to think and say um, things about you, causing them to sin. And I think that could go along with. I think a lot of these can go along with dishonoring authorities. You know, you could put harshness, divisiveness, and dishonoring authorities. You speak harshly about your boss towards, you know, with your coworkers, which causes divisiveness between them and the boss, which may not have other. So now you're both dishonoring the boss together and it's your fault. You know, you gossip, harshness, all these sort of things kind of tie together, I think. This other one is crude joking. Which I think I'm getting far better here. Um, I don't really use curse language quite. I mean, there may be the random time where I lose a screw in a computer case. I only ever hear him like say something he shouldn't when he's correcting himself. He's angry at himself. Like yeah. he's by himself. I'm like, you talking to? <laughs> but the crude joking, I'm far, I don't. I can't think of the last time I told a crude joke. So uh, if I did tell you a crude joke, forgive me. But I think that's one area I'm doing okay in. I'm very conscious about what I say in a joking manner. Yeah, it's just so common in our culture. It's like it's easy to see crude joking. And it is hard to, like, I think we're so used to it. This is the way we've been brought up and the, the movies we've watched. and yeah. A lot of the comedians we like, it's the crude joking. And I still find them funny. I mean, I grew up watching Married with Children. And when I think about it, and, you know, I might see a clip and I still laugh. And I'm like, like, there's no way I could show that to my kids. That's such an awful yeah. thing to expose them to. But you're like, but it was funny. And, uh, you know, so maybe I still need to be sanctified further. Just ask God. I know this is a sin and I my flesh is finding it funny. 
Lord, you've got to convict me. So I, so I hate it. That's just all we can do. when We recognize we still enjoy something and yeah. Lord, if it is such a, a horrible thing that I find any humor in it all, you have to bring conviction because we're not going to turn away from something that we find enjoyable. It's only through his spirit, any of this, you turn away from it. Okay, the vain use of God's name. And I really liked where they went with it because it's where I have uh, thought of it as I read, you know, just word of God, just... Everybody says using the name of God, uh, his name in vain is saying, oh, my God, Um, that's not what it means. Um, And maybe it's wrong to say, oh, my God, in a way where you're like a a shock or you're saying, oh, my God. Um, It's probably wrong to say that, but using his name in vain is bearing his name, saying, I'm a Christian, I represent God. And misrepresenting him, living in sin. Um, you bear his name. You're taking it in vain. You're taking it. Wearing yeah, I it. I think that would far more be the classification of using his name in vain. But I do think there could be some using it in vain where you just use it as like a flippant filler, you know, for stuff that you... And again, I was corrected by a brother from the Christian podcast community. Like, you kind of just use God's name and you're kind of flippantly when you're talking. I was like, right. Yeah, we I shouldn't. do do that. And I, yeah. I should be more reverent with the name of God, but I think it's far more used in vain that way where you're, yeah. you know, the thought that comes to mind, right. You're the LGBTQ non-binary trans pastor standing up there in your preacher garb. And you're like, Oh brother, that's, that's a sin. So he says in here, as the catechism indicates, we are not to make light of the things of God. Instead, we are to treat all the things of God with due reverence and with a concern for his holiness. Um, yeah, just the character of our lives, he goes on, to, like, don't bring shame to the name of God. Um, yeah, and to profane something, it says in biblical usage, is to take what is holy and make it common, to make it of no reputation. So saying, like, yeah. That as well. You can see them both. All right. We yes. got to run through these last couple ones so we're not over two hours. That's a, a bit long. Right. Judgmentalism. Yep. Do that. <laughs> do that. No, I mean, I do that. <laughs> oh. For sure. I can be judgmental. Okay. And false guilt. Um, what does um, that mean when you hear that? Well, they talk about cancel culture right from the start here. Um how it establishes its own law, makes its own judgments, and then delights in publicizing shame, inflicting misery, and demanding penance. Yeah, I guess that could be kind of like what we talked about with Tucker Carlson, right? He's this violent extremism, like they're placing a false guilt on a man, and they're finding pleasure and taking joy in doing that. I don't think I'm necessarily overly guilty of that. Uh, If I am, please let me know. Uh, I will happily repent of that, but I don't think that's something I suffer with. The sec- the next one, I probably do. Yeah. So it's, he says it's good to feel guilty though. If you're guilty, you should feel guilty. Yep. Uh, so know the difference there. So false humility is the next one. Probably suffer yeah. this one far more than the false guilt. Um, yeah. I think we've mentioned this quote on here plenty of times, the C.S. Lewis quote, you know, you can 
even have pride in your humility. I'm the most humble man I've ever met, you know? Mm -hmm. Nope, you're prideful, right? So I think false humility, that probably gets the best of a lot of people. And he just um, brings up the the Pharisee that stood and prayed with himself, thanking God that he was not like other men, uh, as if the God of heaven himself would be prompted to offer his creature a round of applause for his excellence. Our prayers can echo the same arrogance. Yep, I would agree. Uh, anxiety. Um, yeah, this was a weird one to talk about, being filled with anxiety as a sin. Mm-hmm. And I guess when it can, you consider it that you're not putting your trust and faith in this sort of thing in God, but instead you're wrestling with it internally. And I think there's a proverb that talks about anxiousness in the heart causes depression. Mm. Uh, so a lot of times if you're a depressed person, maybe pray and see what's causing you anxiousness that's leading to that depression. Yeah. Be anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So we're told to not be anxious. And then worldliness is the last one. Yeah, we all suffer with that one to some degree or another. I think in the world we're in today, it's hard to be on constant defensive mode against the worldliness creeping in, you know, from a million different avenues. You know, even we've talked a lot about the church, right? How it infected is the church with worldliness and, you know, being culturally sensitive and up with the times and these sorts of things where they're very concerned with worldliness. And, you know, we're probably guilty with that as well, you know, with caring too much about what people think or wanting to yeah. fit in. And and again, right. this also could lead to other things. Maybe you're too given to worldliness. So you don't want to be that outspoken evangelist because it causes people to think you're weird and now you're not accepted. Right. You want to be you know, loved places. and accepted by the world. Um, yep. That's loving the world more than loving God. That's all right, so those are the those are the 20 commonly tolerated sins. Again, we'd love to, you know, if you suffer from any of these, email us, reach out to us. We'd love to pray for you about these things. We've talked already about all the ones we suffer with, with is basically all 20 of them. <laughs> so yeah, it's... pray for us, but let us know so we can pray for you. I mean, we need to be praying for each other on these things. Yeah, so sin is something I was telling Spencer, like this needs to be talked about more often in churches. Um, this is what Christ came to set us free from. It should be the main topic of discussion because it's something we all have in common. We all struggle with. We have the same enemy. And this is how we, I mean, we have the same savior, but we also have the same enemy. And that that brings us together to encourage and pray for one another um, to stand against that enemy sin, but which we can't overcome. We have the Holy Spirit in us to help us be holy, to help us flee from sin. So sin is something to not be shying away from talking about. It's not to make anybody feel guilty. It's to encourage. Um, So people, because if you don't talk about it, that makes it appear shameful to bring it up to somebody else. The more you talk about it, the more we're going to come to others and confess. And we used to talk, I mean, this... Puritans and these folks, right? They were known for talking a lot about sin. And, you know, that's why they were called fire and brimstone preachers and stuff. But we used to do this far more. And then as society has become far more modern and these sorts of things, we don't talk about it as much. And again, you see the results of it. 
where people who by and large, we have so many in the Christian world who even say, don't even worry about sin. There is no such thing as sin for the Christian, just love. You know, that's what it's devolved into. So definitely should be discussed more uh, because again, it's hard to share the good news of the gospel if you don't also share the bad news of our life apart from our creator and, you know, without a savior to set us free. You know, it's hard to understand the good news of the gospel when you don't understand the desperate need that you are or that you're in for a uh, desperate need you have for a savior. If you don't understand that, it's hard to understand the good side of that. So, um, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts just on the sins, anything we talked about before we end with our sermon recommendation? No, go ahead. So in honor of our, you know, just love brethren out there, we figure we would end with the sermon from Stephen Lawson on when love is wrong, not all love is proper love in the Christian mindset. So a good sermon from Stephen Lawson kind of discussing, you know, what does it mean for a Christian to properly love, to love the things God loves and hates the thing or hate the things God hates, you know, how are we supposed to navigate that? So a good sermon, go give it a listen. I think you'd appreciate it. And uh, otherwise, we will be back on Monday, daily devotionals as always. And then probably next week, because we'll be heading out on the road, maybe just unless there's a big breaking story or something, probably just discuss Christian trauma and get all of you upset at me when we discuss that. But uh, otherwise, that's all we have for today. Hope you have a blessed week. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.